This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where you read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Quinn Morris. I'm FNL. This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where we talk about Monster by Naoki Urasawa, and at some point in the future, also other things by Naoki Urasawa, which is um, a very exciting prospect for everybody. I'm There's sure a lot of it agree. out there, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, this time, we are reading chapters 25 through 32 of Monster, which is the second half of Perfect Edition Volume 2, and the entirety of Regular Volume Number 4. Although, I don't even know if the if those single Tonkobans are even in, uh, on sale in the West They anymore. seem hard, if not impossible, to find. Um, I will mm. say the cover art for them is very cool, and was an inspiration for some of the stuff that um, I tried doing with the podcast art um, when I was putting it together. Because it's that uh, it's that monster logo with the sword that goes through the T, um, and they yeah. just kind of overlay it with different '90s and and 2000 style textures on uh, each volume. So I do it, love an, cool. I do love a '90s texture. You yeah, can't who go doesn't wrong. love who doesn't love a texture that came off of her Corel Draw CD or something like that? <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds uh, era appropriate. It's like Photoshop, but but different. Ah, uh, I see, I see. Okay. Um... Man, we've got we've got a lot to do. We've got a lot to talk about. This reading this was so is a good reading. Like after I was done, I was like, should we just change the format of the show to be four four chapters every week instead of eight every two? What? Uh, what? Sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh, Matt's getting his um potatoes. He had some potatoes in the oven. Um. I'll microwave the potatoes later. They're yeah. fine. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> they cooked the through. Potatoes. We're good, we're good, we're good. Great. Sorry. Thank potatoes, uh, listeners, yeah. I was making baked potatoes uh, with chili for dinner tonight um, because, uh, well, we, we don't have to get into it. The, the potatoes were <laughs> saved. It was it was going to be a tight okay. window. Yeah. Um, good. Anyway. Love having, uh, love having the Matt Chili connection on our podcast. Matt look, loves chili's chili. very good. It's my favorite food. It's one of the things that I can make very well. Um, and it sustains me. Uh, we'll talk about it on a maintaining balance at, at some point. Yeah, but I, there, I, have, there a, you I go. have an important relationship with chili. There you go, ladies. Yeah, you know. get you a man who can make chili. Three different kinds of beans. Get you a Matt who can make chili. Chunky reading. Right. Lots going on. Yeah, lots going on. Um, do we have any overall thoughts that we want to kind of set the listeners up uh, as we as we head into this, or do we just want to dive in? I think this is a pretty different reading from the ones that have come before um it might be most similar to the first chunk where it's it's kind of pretty much everything that happens here aside from the open and the close is like one kind of self-contained arc i don't know it's weird actually i hadn't um i hadn't really thought about that but but you're right like six out of these eight chapters 
are a single continuous like movie uh, yeah. almost um movies a really good way to put it yeah. because I, th- I think this reading is extremely cinematic um in in some of the way that it does like jump cuts and needle drops and yeah, the needle drop woo do i want to talk about that needle drop when you get to it all right i don't think i can i don't think i can wait anymore let's get a chapter let's get into it 25 um the woman left behind wait a second you know what i just realized i've been assuming that capital is german for chapter i have is too it? is it not is it? Uh, it just occurred to me that maybe it means something else. Hold oh, on. no. Are we about to, Hold are we about to get hoisted? That <laughs> would be... Okay, it just means chapter. Woo! Okay, woo. We're safe. We're safe. We're good. <laughs> it's like, man, what if this was this major, like, thematic thing that, that we, we just, just missed? completely fucking... Goobered yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> that really would be the verb in, in, the, in this instance. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, chapter 25, The Woman Left Behind, and I will summarize this. Sounds good. Um, Ava, we, this is an Ava chapter. That's the most important thing to know about it. This is all Ava, baby. Um, and Ava messes around with a dude, and then she kind of gets to know her gardener at her estate, and she kind of, like, toys around with him a bit. Uh, and kind of implies that maybe she'd be interested in him. Uh, the gardener's wife left him a while back, and his kid is and his kid is like, "Your wife left you," um, and he's like, "Yeah, she sure did." And then Ava gets a Ava gets a little toasted, uh, and they sleep together. And at the at the end of all at the end of all that, you know, he's kind of like, "Man, you're kind of a you're kind of a, a lonely person." But if you want to have Christmas with me and my daughter. You can. Uh, and then she goes to have Christmas with him and his daughter. But his his wife came back, actually. And so she looks in through the window and his wife is back. And she goes Joker mode and burns down her estate. Not including the gardener's house. The gardener does not live on the estate. This is important. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happens here. Is, well, it's hang on. No, the, the end of this chapter now. lines up with the end of the previous chapter. Oh, where... yeah. Well, that's, that's. I mean, I, that's a note. Talking about, it's not just the okay. end lining up, actually. It, it it sinks up in the middle in a really kind of blink and you'll miss it way that's really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, neat, neat, neat. Okay. Yeah. Do we, do we have any overall thoughts? How do you feel spending all this time with Ava, Matt? <sighs> I'm not a big Ava fan, uh, which oh. I, I think we've talked about before. I think she's mean. Um, I, I like the gardener. Yeah, she's, she's the worst. Um, I, I think she's entertaining, but I, I don't like her is, is the thing. Like, I, I think this is, this is a good chapter. And I think when she burns down her estate at the end and uh, Joker mode is a really good way to describe it. Like it's, (laughs) I think that's a very fun panel, right? Like it's the action movie walking away from an explosion without looking at it. And she has the same look that she always has on her face. Where she's just like it's it's this smug kind of like l- barely smile, and her eyes are just kind of she's she's closing her eyes a little bit because she's she's yeah, too she's, cool. She's plotting. She's mm-hmm. planning. She's plotting. She's planning low grade evil. Yeah, um, I I think it's really good, and I think her obsession with Tenma is is very fun. How she says yeah. uh, the the line in particular that I thought was very fun was. That dude ruined three of my marriages, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, she still every time she blamed Tenma. 
It's so funny. She married three dudes after Tenma. Um, is the implication because I know ten months. Yeah. In and ten months, or no? Sorry, sorry. In in ten years, I ten keep forgetting years. that. Yeah, there, yeah. Because there there's, there's two the time, time skip. skips. Mm-hmm. There's the nine year time skip, and then there's a, a, a like a six time or twelve skip. month. But it's yeah. still, that's more than the average. That's uh, it's she's, a lot of marriages. She's burning and churning, and uh, it's to be uh, sure. The thing yeah. that she says. Uh, and the gardener calls her out for it, right? Where, you know, oh, she yeah. says, I liked Tenma because he always, you know, he was connected and he always agreed with me and did what I said. And the gardener kind of says, like, I mean, no, I think you're lying to yourself. It it sounds like you loved him. And now that he's gone, you're just lonely. Um, and that's like the refrain, I think, for this chapter is you're just lonely. The reading, um, I would say. Oh, yeah. I think uh, we've, I think I'm... A- We've got some, Matt, we've got some, we've got some overall theme stuff to talk about later. Um, So that's interesting because I, to me, this chapter didn't, I mean, like it links up with what we read last time, but it, it felt a little weird. Like if, if I was thinking about these, these eight as a single reading. So um, I think, I think it's not, it's not as connected. It's, how do I put it? Um. It's a parallel, right? It's part of a parallel story that's going on because Monster is sort of two plots um, in, in a way because it's, oh God, it's even it's even more than two, really. But at least at the moment, right, it's kind of Tenma trying to catch up to Johan, right? Tenma, mm-hmm. Nina, and the crew trying to catch up to Johan. And then you've got Lunge and Ava trying to catch up to Tenma, right? Okay. Um, so they're parallel, but the themes... The, the overall theming, like, what is important um, about Monster is still very present here. Uh, and, and I think, especially with this reading, I'm, I'm beginning to form a theory that kind of the core thesis of Monster is about loneliness. And there are some piece, there are several pieces of important evidence in this reading that I think starts to really lock this in for me. And I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, yeah. Other fun stuff from this chapter... <laughs> On the second page, uh, is the chapter opens with Ava, uh, kissing like some fling, um, and being like, "Oh, it's a shame you have to go back to your wife." And he's like, "Yeah, I'll call you." And she goes, "That's what you think. I left a handkerchief drenched in my perfume in your bag." She's the best. She's fucking, you know. That I love. I do love that. And and the best part is, you know, she reads the gardener to filth right where she's like you think i'm a slut like you you think i'm the worst but also you want me and he and the worst part is he kind of does i mean he he's sure a sap does. right the gardener like, matt core character is the oh gardener. yeah 100 so i wrote down like a little bit uh, unfortunately a little bit <laughs> I, I wrote down the thing i wrote down was gardener's daughter has the same disposition as ava and i think she's drawn with the same eyes as well which is which is my thing that i have been coming back to over and over yeah. and, and over again is the way that urasawa draws people's faces right yeah she i mean she's not as bad as ava right but she like you said in your summary like she thinks her dad's a sap Right. She loves her dad, but he's a sap. Right. And that's yeah, kind of she, the same dynamic yeah. with Ava. Right. Like she thinks that this guy is a sap and that she can take advantage of him. Um, and I, I don't think it's it's not as nice. Right. Like she doesn't have that. Well, you're my dad. I love you for it. But it's it's the same. It's a similar dynamic, I would say. He, and this just seems like yeah. it's maybe this is this dude's relationship with women. Right. Like his wife left him, you know. 
he's just yeah. kind of he's he's a bummer. You know, he's, um, he's just like, or you know, it's also uh, uh, gardeners. It's gardeners rock, Matt. He's too busy with the garden. He's too busy with the gardener. The, too busy, too the, busy the with garden. the garden to uh, yeah. to keep his wife. You know, we got we got our we got journalists rock. We got we got uh, detectives rock. We got we got doctors rock. rock early on. We also got do- we got people are rocking and their wives are leaving them. <laughs> uh, LMFAO, sorry for garden rocking. Sorry for uh, garden rocking. Um, the thing that the note, one of the notes that I have is when they're on the date, he's extremely nervous. And then oh, she sweet. asks him about the garden and he says, and he stops shaking and he just talks about like what he's going to do. And he says, I feel confident in the garden. And I think he has a little bit where he says like, you know, it's the, it's the place where I feel like I can express myself. And Quinn, I hate to tell you this because yeah. it confirms your suspicion that this oh, is a Matt Core character. Oh, no. But on Matt. dates sometimes I'll tell girls like, well, you know, I, I'm a programmer. I make software. But it feels like by way of expressing myself, like it's art. I can kind of – I'm not good at drawing things, but I'm good at math. <laughs> so I can kind of like sketch stuff out and then, you know, I have my notebook and the finished software at the end. It looks the same. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's my art, my software. I feel confident when I'm programming programs. I feel, I feel confident when I'm programming. Um, Matt X Ava fan fiction. Um, <laughs> oh no, please. Uh, get on. If it, we people. reach a certain Patreon uh, backer level, I'll I'll pay someone to write that. I'll figure it out. I don't think we have to pay anybody. I think they'll do it themselves. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so. Um, I think the only other really particular... Oh, there's a couple interesting things, but... There's a good the- page turn reveal, which we've kind of been calling out as they happen. Bo, bo, bo. Page turn reveal? Which, which, which one? Where? 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 Well, so the, the setup for the end of this story is the gardener has cooked a big Christmas dinner because he thinks oh, that Ava is going yes. to come. And she is going to come. But when the doorbell rings, the person who answers it is not Ava, but it's his wife. Yeah. Um, she's come back because she realized that, you know, she made a mistake in leaving him and, and stuff like that. And that who who answers the door is hidden behind a page turn. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, he's he's surprised. And so you go like you're like, oh, he's surprised because Ava's there. It's not Ava. It's his wife. It's not Ava. You know. Um, but that was my last big note. So I <sighs> think you had something that you were going to close yeah. on. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, just a couple of quick things. So the scene in which uh, she is drunk and yells at poor garden man. Do we even have his fucking name? I don't think, I don't think we know his name. Jeez. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, he is a sap. Um, so that scene is interesting. So she's, she's turned as fuck, right? Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, so he goes, drinking already at this hour, she says, can you blame me? I just went to see Inspector Lungay at the BKA office in Weisbaden. So this is after... So this is happening concurrently with the previous chapter, right? Where Ava goes to Lungay and she's like, hey, fucker, like, do this thing. And he's like, I literally don't care. Um, and so then she comes back and she's super drunk. She's wearing the same outfit, by the way, as she was oh, in the previous that's chapter. Um, and... Uh, and then at the end of this chapter, she goes to Lungay again, and this is at the end of the previous chapter, where it's right after Lungay has been soft-fired. Uh, and he's like, I have a bunch of free time now, because everybody hates me. Um, and so then they get to team up. They get to team up to take down take down Tenma. Uh, and so I just think that's fun to have this chapter happening concurrently with them. 
with the previous one. It's just an interesting little interlocking bit that I don't know if it necessarily does anything strongly one way or the other, but it's fun. It's a fun thing to notice. Yeah, uh, and I, I think, yeah. I was just going to say a note I had for one of the later chapters was this whole section is extremely tightly plotted. Um, and I think that's always really fun, right? When it's like you can, when you feel like the mechanisms of a story working, um, yeah. and it's, it's real strong here. Urusat was good at that. Uh, it seems like I, it. the last note I have is that there's one panel I really fucking like, which is when Ava is looking in at the now happy family mm. from mm-hmm. outside and the cross of like the windowpane crossbar is, is like a shadow on her face. That's, like, you can tell, you can tell something, like, she's about to do something bad. My face when, when I'm about to burn down my estate, um, (laughs) is, is how it makes me feel. It's good. So Uh, that's, uh, that's chapter 25. I, so I did, um, I, I didn't write full summaries, but I did write little alternate titles for each one. The title I wrote for 25 was, Mm. Ava takes a lover and then burns down her house. Great. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good one. So chapter, I can I can summarize yeah. twenty six if you want. Yeah, chapter twenty six. Be my baby. Be my baby. Okay, so this one opens with an uh, well. In the perfect edition, the opening pages of this one are in color, and there's a few kind of color pages um, scattered throughout the the rest of tonight's reading. Um, but this chapter opens with an unknown woman showing up at a at a club. Um, the candy. Uh, she kind of talks to some of the guys there. Uh, they assume she's a prostitute, and they, there's kind of some discussion about, okay, hey, if you if you want to work here, you have to talk to the baby, but he won't see anyone. And she says, hey, I know that if I keep coming back, eventually he'll see me. Um, then we cut to Tenma. Uh, well, actually, no, then we cut to Heckle, and uh, Heckle and Dieter playing soccer. Heckle, Heckle is really frustrated that— a dream team. Heckle is extremely frustrated that that uh, Tenma has left Dieter with him, right? It, the whole black market doctor thing didn't work out, and now he's leaving him with a kid. I hate this, right? So they, they play soccer for a little bit, and then we cut to Tenma, who is at a Nazi bar, um, and he's looking for someone. Uh, he gets in a fight with some of these Nazis, uh, holds one of them at, at penpoint, and does the whole, I can, I can, you know, blow out this artery and you'll, you'll bleed to death. Uh, they give him the information that he wants, and he goes and finds um, a detective. The detective, who was uh, one of the people who picked him up after uh, Nina Fortner's parents were murdered, uh, who he assumed was on uh, uh, Johann's payroll. Uh, the detective kind of confirms this and says that, you know, he, he went and bought a bunch of drugs with his cut of the money, um, and now he's he's strung out, and uh, he was he was fired from the police force, uh, and he's he's been trying to find a way back in, trying to find someone who can protect him. And there is a there is an organization that's moving in the shadows that is interested in Johan, and he's been working with them a little bit. But also, someone showed up a few weeks ago and held him at gunpoint and asked him for the same information, and that someone was Nina Fortner. Um, this bum, chapter kind of. This bump, bump, big reveal. Then we cut back to the girl at the club. Obviously, Nina. She gets in to see the baby. There's a there's a fun sequence where he's introduced. We'll talk about the needle drop in a little bit. Um, and the baby reveals that he is going to be using Nina as bait so that he can draw in Johan, who he believes is Germany's new Hitler. Um, and that is that's chapter twenty six. 
A lot Woo! of setup in this chapter, I think. A lot of, a lot of setup, but it also, it's exciting setup. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> there's some, there's a lot of cool things going on. Um, just going through it piece by piece. I want to start with, uh, so like we said, it opens in color, and uh, the color's a lot more useful here than it was last time. Mm-hmm. Um, you're at a club, there's people and clothes and lights and, you know, and the color serves You get a neon to... sign buzzing, and yeah. it's, it's very fun, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think there's something fun, or not necessarily fun, but, but something uh, interesting. So one thing I mentioned in, I think, episode one, was that Ursa was uh, great with women, and I stand by this. There is, on page two, two panels, one of which is dedicated to Nina's butt, and the other to her chest. But here's the fucking thing. Even when Urasawa is explicitly trying to evoke the male gaze, this is the chastest titty and ass shot I have seen in my life. There is no sexual energy here. There is not a wrinkle in that dress. Like, like it is just enough to get the idea that people are staring it puts you, it's like, okay, here's what's going on here. This person is sexualized. Somehow, without egregiously or painfully sexualizing them. Uh, do you have Do you have thoughts on this? I mean, my first note for this chapter is, oh no, Nina Fortner's hot now. Um, <laughs> so... Um, that, is, that is one note that I had. One, one thing at the, I mean... I think it's talked about very professionally, the fact that sex work exists and is a thing that happens. And at least in the way, you know, it's, it, you know, it's clear Nina's using this as like an in so she can talk to the baby. But like the way that she talks about sex work is very professional. It's a thing that she has a handle on. She's not letting these dudes take advantage of her. Um, when we cut back to her at the bar, there's a guy who who keeps trying to get handsy with her and she's not having it. You know, she slaps him yeah. away. Um, and I think it's very, con very clear throughout this section that, I mean, she is in control. Yeah. Um, I mean, she pulls one gun in this section too. and she has another gun later on. You know, she is She's strapped. She is in control always. Yeah. I think is, is, uh, probably the follow up to what you said about this is the male gaze, but she is, she's, she's using it to her advantage. It's a, it's a tool, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, you also, you said something interesting in your summary that made me, uh, realize something which I would have not thought of as someone who's read this multiple times, but, uh, with the lipstick and the color, it's easy mm. to miss that this is Nina until a bit later in the chapter where he's, where he see her in black and white without the lipstick looking straight at the camera. And it's like, oh shit, that's Nina. Well, um, I made a note, her eyes yeah. change at one point. Right, she has. She's doing the hot girl eyes for a little bit. She's doing the Ava eyes, but then something happens yeah. and she gets scared. And you're like, like you said, she looks at the camera. It's oh shit, that's Nina. It's it's mm -hmm. Nina eyes again. Yeah. Um. It's it's good. Um. Yeah. The last thing about the color that, that I had was, you know, it starts in full color and then goes to monochromatic and then to black and white, which I think is like a fun touch. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a fun touch. Um. Yeah. So, and then you got Heckle this little two-page Heckle and Dieter. I fucking the chemistry on these two is unreal. They're so mm -hmm. much fun together. Um, Dieter is uh, throughout this reading. Dieter gets a lot of awesome 
like straight up badass moments. Yeah. Um, he's a lot of fun. He's really cute. He's such a cute kid, but like also like a very capable character. Uh, an almost oddly capable character. He's for, a good uh, kid character. Um, yeah. Off mic, we talked a little bit about how I, I really feel that this section is like an adventure story. Mm-hmm. And I think the Dieter stuff is like a, a real strong indicator of that. I mean, this is that's like an 80s great, movie where you have the kid point. character. I mean, if you think about like what Temple of Doom, right? Indi- uh, mm-hmm. uh, short round, you know, it's this is the cool kid character in the adult movie. He really um, is. Doing yeah. Stuff. And it's like, it's this fun, like, straight man, funny man routine where where Otto is like, what the fucking soccer? What, what, what do I care? What do I care about soccer? And Dieter's like, you can't, you, you can't hold it with your hands. That's a yellow card. He's like, shut up! Uh, it's well, then so he gives funny. him a red card for swearing, yeah. is the thing. Because yeah. he swears at him after the card. That's, that's yeah. my favorite part of this section. He, he swears at him. He says, well, now uh, it's a red card. Oh my god, they're so funny. And now we go to a Nazi bar, and now it's time for an interlude. Oh boy. Where we talk a little bit about Naoki Urasawa and race. Um, which is, he's good at it. Yeah, I had written down that it was time to talk about it um, this yeah. time. So yeah. it's time to talk about it. It's time to talk about it, and like, here's here's kind of my thing. I think that Urasawa thinks more and harder about race than any other mangaka i have personally encountered that's a big statement quinn i i don't think here's the thing it's a low bar because like the (laughs) most the most the most like engagement with race you get in a manga is like fantasy racism that's really weird a lot of the time, right? But this is yeah. this is a guy, Urasawa's guy, who spends a lot of time thinking about real world racism in like engaging in real world history and attitudes, which is just not like it's not a very common thing at all. Partially because most manga isn't set in the West and isn't concerned with what's happening in the West. Yeah. Um, uh- I, I, I just want to say, and I'm not going to talk about this too long because I, I don't think I have a, a fully formed opinion on it, but I, I sure. will say, you know, I, I part of the premise of this show is I'm not a big manga guy. I'm not a big anime guy. Um, the thing that I see all the time, all the time, whenever there's, it, it's, I see it most when there's live action adaptations of anime that are announced and anime fans freak out over... You know, what they see is, you know, changing the race of characters to deal with diversity and stuff like that. You know, there's this, I guess, idea that the default should be Japanese or white or things like that. There's anime and manga. Look, not that Western media is any better, but it seems like anime and and manga in particular have a really fraught uh, relationship with race. Yeah. in uh, scene and stuff like you know attack on titan is one of the most popular anime franchises maybe ever i don't know and i have not read or watched that show but everything that i understand is the way that it handles race in the back half of that series is incredibly dicey um so it's a topic that I think there's a lot of assumptions that are made about it just because people don't get explicit about like, hey, I'm going to talk about race in what we're doing here. Race is a component of this story. And it, it yeah. just kind of it's it's that assumption of, hey, the default is the straight white male or something like that. Right. Yeah. It seems like layers over a lot of this. So it is it's really interesting to see 
like you said, and we talked about this a little bit in earlier episodes in Cut It, but that um, Urosawa is very concerned with real world racial tension um, is in the back half of the 20th century, like as this stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, um, and it, this also isn't this isn't the only work that racism comes up in. Uh, race is a massive component in Billy Bat. It's really important in Billy Bat. Uh, and of course, it's. Uh, I think it's also important in Pluto, although that is kind of engaging. With Pluto's the, the fantasy racism kind of thing, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, right? fantasy like racism, robots robot and, racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, but there's other there's other stuff here too, which I think is interesting, right? And specifically focusing back on monster. This reading gives us a very clear thing where it's like Tenma is an Asian man in. Germany. These are neo-Nazis. He is specifically in danger from them because of his identity. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's and there's other stuff too with uh, some Turkish folks that come in later. Um uh and even though people don't remark on Tenma having an accent, because we said in a previous episode he nobody ever mentions him having an accent. So he doesn't have an accent, but people do uh notice other cultural uh, habits of his. Maurer, for example. Um, uh, remarks that he likes that Japanese bowing thing, you know. So like, mm, mm-hmm, Urasawa mm. is not just interested in being like, oh, my main character is Japanese because like I want to talk about it because um that's the default. Tenma's a Japanese character on purpose. It's important that he is a Japanese person in Germany and that the story is about him, or at least the story, uh, the the narrative makes this an important thing. It doesn't just pop him here and say, all right, now go. You know, it causes problems yeah. uh, that, that Tenma has to deal with. Um, there's, yeah, so uh, the racial dynamics of of Monster, I don't know, I don't know. Everything, everything's connected, you know? You got your politics, you've, you've got your, you've got your thematics, um, the whole, you know, you got your fucking Nazis, the right-wing stuff is important. Ah, it'll all, the picture will resolve as we read further, but I wanted to shine a light on it because we have Nazis and there's a lot of Nazis in this. There's reading. a lot of Nazis in this reading, Whoa. and there was a, there was a split second. There was a split second when I started reading this where I thought the Nazis might, you know, because I thought there might be some affinity with the Japanese because you know the Japanese were allied with the Nazis during World War Two. Sure, but then I forgot the Nazis have no consistent ideology and they're just horrible <laughs> fucking racists. Right? Is yeah. is the thing. Um, and they, you know, they call him some slurs. It's, it's a whole big thing. Uh, Another character later on tells him it is not safe for him to go inside of this bar because of, you know, his skin tone and things like that. So it is, um, yeah, it's the, the thing, the word that I learned a few years ago, reading a little bit of theory that has really just become important for me in, in thinking about things is material conditions, right? And mm-hmm. I I think the that is just going to continue to to determine a lot of how we read this. Um, so that's that's probably I don't know I, I don't know if we have word. too much more race to talk about for right now, right? We can just kind of I think we pick on I think plot we, stuff. I think we got um, I think we got most of what I was most of what I was trying to say here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, back to it. Tenma, uh, does the, like we said, holds the dude at pen point. Um, very good line there, Matt. Uh, it was so good I wanted to say it myself. 
Um, there is an odd moment as Tenma's, Tenma's about to get away and the Nazis are like, get him! And then he has his gun. And then for some reason, he says, whoa. Like, I guess it's like, like a horse. <laughs> it's like saying like a you, horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just uh-huh. seems like a strange translation. <laughs> he's telling him not to mess with him. You know, he's got a gun. He's not afraid to use it. Um, it is weird, though. I, I, when it happened, I was like, oh, hey, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Um, yeah. Hey, what do you think of this train station scene? I feel like I just talked a lot, so I was going to ask you what you think of this train station I think scene. It, I think it's really good. I think it yeah. is, it is, um, it's Tenma, he is being, I mean, he's a badass. He's a machine, right? I like said, he, I said that. He has I, the interrogation kind of. thing down to a T, right? Like he knows everything about this guy. He's done his research. He shows up. He is like, he's a little bit almost even cruel, right? Where he, he there's a line where he says, yeah, your dealer's not going to come and sit with you until I leave. I'm the one who's in control here. I know you're going through withdrawal, right? It's, yeah. um, it is, he knows what he wants and he's there to get it. Um, and the detective is just like, uh, he's a mess. Um, I, I think there's some good lines. Is there anything you want to call out before I say like what I think is the key line of this of this conversation? Um, I just uh, I also had a note. Messner looks bad. Oh, um, he looks rough. There's a lot of. I think there are a few key points in this conversation. Uh, I think the only one that I want to call out right now. We can come to the other ones later. But I just want to call out a Tenma badass moment. Um, no, no. Don't get up. The gun under my jacket is pointed right at you. It's really good. Fucking, fucking, like, that is I read it out loud. Shit. I read over it and then read it again out loud just so I could hear how it sounded because it is, it's that cool. There's a lot of lines in this reading that are fun to read out loud. Uh, Matt, what, what do you, what do you have to, to point, to point out? Because there's some stuff here. Well, the one I have written down is Messner, when he's talking about what happened, he says he gets like thousand yard stare for a second. And he says a darkness was created when the wall came down. Yeah. When he's talking about the Berlin wall came down, a great darkness was created. A monster was born. Oh, now this is interesting, right? So we mentioned like the Berlin wall has come up a couple of times. The falling, you know, the Berlin wall coming down is some kind of important like like fracture point or break point mm-hmm. for the story and and we as the readers are really like only kind of finding out why and what it did in bits and pieces um which i think is really really interesting it just keeps coming back up and i I think it's interesting it it reminds me a lot of you know there's this idea that in the early 20th century the world wars unleash this postmodern darkness right you know the atom bomb all this stuff like that you have all the like after world war one you have t.s Eliot, the wastelands all that stuff and then after world war two you have all these i mean just like all of postmodernism comes out of how terrible the world wars were right um and you know, it shows up in stuff like Twin Peaks, really literally. Um, and I, I just always think it's it's an interesting thing to think about um, how the world has been broken by just the evil that mankind has done. Um, and it's the Berlin Wall was never one that I had considered in that kind of list of things. So it's it's interesting to see it being kind of the pivot point for this story. 
the thing that makes it go. Yeah. Well, it's not. Well, the Berlin Wall itself isn't the pivot point. It's the Berlin it's Wall coming, coming down. down, which mm-hmm. which is even more interesting to me because, you know, we kind of uh, we see that as I mean, yeah, in the in the history classes that I took here, it's, in the an, States, it's an uncritical good as far as yeah. as far as we're taught, you know, and so. So it's it's interesting to see it positioned here as some kind of uh, uh, causative moment for uh, horror and evil. Uh, Ripping and open the universe and letting chaos seep in. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's something there's something there. I want to see I want to see how Urasawa carries this thread forward. Uh, also, another thing to mention is just that we learn um, a little bit of backstory about the baby who we'll meet mm-hmm. later in this chapter. Uh, we learn that he is a right-wing big shot who plays leadership roles in both the German Racial Purity Party and the Revolution and Progress Party. He settled in the East after the wall came down. Ah. After the wall came down, he went to the East, tried to make the city exclusive for pure Germans, but it didn't work out. Um, you know... Um, and I just think that's another just another point. Like he went, he went east. I wonder if I'm sure that if you and me like maybe knew more about the history of around that time period and what happened after it came down, maybe we could really we could blow this whole thing open. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we don't. We I don't know that. Don't. Yeah. Uh, you you do get the feeling that Urasawa did his fucking research, though. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's so it's, talk it's about the, the baby. needle drop. Yeah, the needle drop. Okay. Do you want to talk about what song it is? Because it seemed like you had a lot of affinity for it. I think it's really good, too. I just think it's a really good needle drop. Like, I don't have anything specific to say. I just think it's fucking great. If you have something specific to go for. Like, did, yes. you, did you listen to it? Oh, I did. I put it on it? while I read it. Yeah. 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 I think that it gotta. begs you to do that. Um, it does. So they, they bring Nina into, uh, you know, the, the back of the candy, the that layer or whatever where the baby is they tell her hey stand on this specific spot that's like a it's like a almost like a hieroglyph of an eye like something that would come from a egyptian museum or I something like that i think it is an eye of wajet yeah okay and then they um and then they drop the record to the renettes uh be my baby and the baby kind of waltzes in and has his little monologue um and i i think it's extremely good he has he's drawn with the um he's drawn with a suit that in animation they'll do this a lot right where it's like a character will be wearing something that has a a texture that's like a layer behind everything else that's going on. So as they move, the texture kind of stays static, but whatever's on their their clothes is is kind of changing and moving. Um, is is that the right way of explaining it? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to explain, but I think that you got it pretty well. It's a really cool effect that I have always loved. Uh, whenever whenever I've seen it in cartoons, um, and it's 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 cool to see it here in in kind of a, a print comic format um i just always think it's it's slick and it, it adds to the effect of this kind of goofy larger than life kind of cartoon character the baby is definitely cartoony mm-hmm. yeah which which makes him kind of unsettling in a in a world of otherwise quite realistic people yeah, all of the shots of his face are, like, weird and distorted just from, like, the angle that they're at. Um, yeah, he's a weirdly yeah. proportioned little dude. Uh, I think it's also notable that this is another evil character who does not open his mouth. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. 
Yeah, I don't know. This might maybe like two characters now, right? So I'm starting to wonder if this is some kind of a through line, if this is like a, a shorthand for Urasawa. Maybe he just draws evil characters and like unconsciously associates evil with with not opening your mouth and with remaining hidden. Right. We had the doctor yeah. in the last reading. Um, exactly. Dieter's foster dad and now um and now the baby. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Um, that's the end of that chapter. I think I, 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 I don't, th- we talked a lot about that one. I think, I think that chapter, uh, has the most to say about it by a pretty yeah. long shot. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the other crazy thing about it is that like, it's so dense. We had so much to say. It's an easy read. It oh, fucking it breezes flows. By. It, it, and you read it and like, you have all this information, but it's not, it's not hard to integrate. You're never like getting confused. You're never like, what's going on? You're just, you're hungry for the next thing. Uh, it's a really, really great chapter. Um, yeah. All right. Moving on. Chapter 27, Professor Gedrich. Um, let me, let me flip through. Yeah, um, this chapter, uh, not a whole awful lot happens specifically. Um, Dieter and Otto go to a store to hawk a rug. Otto sees a rug in there that he wants to steal. Um, meanwhile, Tenma meets a Turkish prostitute who is looking for her friend who was kidnapped by the Nazis. Tenma gets hit by a fucking car. It was the baby. Uh, we don't know what happens to him. Well, well, we do. He he gets tortured. <laughs> is, is what happens to him. Uh, Nina. Should we, should we be calling her Nina or Anna? So she's still going by Nina here. Okay, um, I'll do I'll I think just in this chapter. Nina. But I don't know. Is she... Uh, do we call, Should we call her Anna? Is she Anna the I rest guess of the she, time? You know, she's, I think she's mostly Nina. Okay, um, she's Nina. Uh, we can, we can always change later. Uh... Nina goes and meets with Professor Gedrich, who eats fruit creepily um, and waxes poetic about Johan. And uh, we learn that the baby and the right wing is planning on torching the Turkish neighborhood uh, that night. And... Then Nina is uh, being kept in a room, and she uh, talks to the uh, the prostitute we mentioned earlier through through the sink, uh, and it's reiterated the neighborhood is gonna is gonna go the fuck up, and that's what happens in chapter twenty seven. So you can see a pretty a pretty stark difference um, in uh, in items of in items of action here between this one and the last one. Um, but no, no worse a chapter for that. Yeah, I really liked this chapter. Um, I'm, I'm going to start at the at the back, I guess. And uh, sure. so the, the big reveal at the end of that chapter is, hey, the right wing party is, is going to torch the Turkish neighborhood. I think the setup for revealing that that's what they're going to do is really good. Because in the in the previous chapter at the Nazi bar, um, the Nazis say, okay, well, you're either a Japanese guy or a Turkish guy. At the beginning of this chapter, when Heckel and Dieter are rolling around, Heckel remarks, Okay, I grew up here. This city's completely different. This is a Turkish neighborhood now, I guess. And then there's the introduction of the of the Turkish uh, sex worker, like you said. 
and uh, then it's it's suddenly it's it's Chekhov's gun, but for a, a hate crime, I guess. <laughs> Fuck. It's not. Very, I don't feel good saying that, but that, hate crime. Yeah. that is what it is. I mean, it's setting it up like, oh, obviously that's what the Nazis are going to do. Um, and I, I think it's interesting that this arc has suddenly become about, I guess, Hitler specifically and dictators more broadly, right? Like, obviously, the thing that they're they're calling to mind with this sort of uh, burning a neighborhood is like Crystal Knot and 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 stuff like that. Mm. Um, so it's it's interesting i don't know i mean kind of spoilers for the rest of the episode kind of because it seems like this angle might fall out a little bit but um it's it's interesting that the that the nazi stuff is is so heavy here i don't necessarily i don't i don't necessarily know if it falls out it just seems that this arc you know like it's um it's if this if these six chapters are kind of a standalone movie right Mm. The arc of this movie, the core conflict, is is not the core conflict of Monster, uh, where what's up with Johan. The core conflict that we're dealing with right now is the more immediate one. They're going to try and torch the Turkish quarter, right? right. Um, you know, and so I don't think that it fades uh, so much as it is... Uh, this instance of it is resolved, and then and then the story. Uh, yeah, moves well, on I, th- from I think it. the big thing is they're they're torching the Turkish quarter because they this is like their way that they're welcoming Johan to the city, right? Because they believe him to be their next Hitler, right? And that's yes. like their their obsession with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, I, that's I, true. That's I, true. I guess I I don't know how it plays out. Um, but so we can talk about it a little bit more as it happens. But I do think yeah, it's like it's a good. Uh, going back again to like some stuff that we talked about off pod i have no clue how this how this book fills out nine volumes i mean we've read two so far and i I cannot imagine everything that it's going to do to get to where it goes um so i'm 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 curious to kind of keep a handle on it it's it's interesting as new angles for okay who's interested in johan and why kind of pop into and out of the story yes yeah i i think yeah the questions of who's interested in johan and why are really are really cool and there's some cool stuff to talk about. In fact, I think maybe the most the most interesting thing um is is that is that stuff. Uh real quick before we get to that, you know, there is that bit like I said where he meets the he meets the prostitute um who is just a, a really cool person. Um like I like her design a lot. Uh and we also uh in this chapter and the other ones Again, we talk about how Urasawa intentionally depicts race, um, mm-hmm. uh, focusing a lot on uh, the noses. Um, uh, again, with uh, when it comes to this, her nose and her jawline are, um, you know, I'm not going to say like distinctly Turkish. These, these are lines on a fucking page, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but what they are is distinctly different from uh, from other other depicted races that we've seen so far, right? The the racial language that Urasawa uses, this is clearly a, a different thing. Um, and it's just, uh, it's cool to see Urasawa put that, put that effort in and do so in a way that I think is, um, uh, is respectful. So, kind of the meat of this chapter is in Nina's conversation with Professor Gedrich. Which, uh, there's some interesting stuff in here. Matt, you want to take this one away? 
Yeah. Um, hey, Quinn, remember when you told me that you oh didn't think that this story had religious illusions? Uh, A little bit when ring. I read the thing about the dragon and the monster at the start. It's been haunting me. It's been yeah. haunting me ever since. I can't, like, <laughs> I, I just, I keep thinking about, about like, the listener who, like, monster is fresh in their mind. Syndrome. Yeah, 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 you know, like, they, they just finished, they just finished reading or watching it, and they're like, oh, great, a podcast, and then they start this, and then there's my dumb fucking mouth going, I don't know how important Christianity is. Like, they're just gonna stop listening right there. Um, you know, Could, but I was I'm wrong. Gonna... I was wrong, please. If you're listening oh. to this and your friend dropped it, tell them I, I know I'm wrong. It's so good. It's so good. So the the like the big speech, right, that, that Dr. Gedrick gives Nina is, you know, he talks about Hitler a lot and talks about, oh, hey, Hitler came to power by he wooed the military complex, um, the military itself, and then I think business, right, and was extremely charismatic. Johann's always been charismatic. And then I think he looks directly at the camera and is like, almost like how Jesus was charismatic. And Nina <laughs> has this shocked look on her face. Um, and, and that's kind of the bit for a while where it's, it's introducing why the Nazis want Johan. But Quinn, uh, do you want to talk about the repeated imagery that gets used with the fruit here over and over again? The fruit. Do you know where I'm going to go with this? Okay. Okay. So the shot, like you mentioned, Dr. Gedrick is very creepily eating fruit, which I think is always, always good. There's, um, a movie that I really like. Um, it was, uh, you were never really here. Uh, so it's a Joaquin Phoenix movie where he's, it's, it, the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be a John Wick and it's not. It's something that's very quiet and sad and violent. Um, and there, there's an incredible scene near the end of the movie where a young girl that has been abducted, um, is in this, this lavish mansion eating food that is, is cold and disgusting looking. And it's, it's extremely unsettling. And, and that's, it's, it's a similar kind of setup for the shots that are happening here, but Dr. Gedrick, the frame that keeps coming back in this and the next couple chapters is there are three or four pears, and sitting on top of those pears is a dragon fruit. Which is a spiky fruit. It's a spiky fruit. Do you remember what the, uh, what the, uh, what the, uh, it's not the, what do we call the thing that that starts the the reading? Epigram. Epigram? Do you remember what the epigram was? It was the passage Uh, from Revelation about the beast and the dragon. Do you remember what I said the reading of the beast and the dragon was? fucking dragon fruit. It's a dragon fruit. Do you remember what I said the reading about the beast and the dragon is? Because there's two of them. It's an alliance between state powers and something that is satanic and monstrous. My God. There's also Jesus Christ. Check this out because I got another one. I got another one. It's a dragon fruit. You know what a dragon fruit is? What's that? It's thorny. This is a oh. crown of thorns. <laughs> it's, it's a crown so good. Of th- There's, dude. I mean, you want to talk so about? It's so good. Oh man. Oh. I love literature. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Fuck your fuck your blue drapes. This is a oh. spiky fruit. Um. It's so good. God. Oh, I and also a, a fun little touch that I think is easy to miss is that. Um, Gedrick puts a little clip onto a onto a picture of the Johan. skull clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a Nazi death set clip. You know, it's just another oh. reminder. This fucker's a Nazi. Mm. Um, <laughs> just this this guy's a the fucking Nazi. He's a Nazi. Yeah. Oh man. 
Uh, um, also, those Victor, are my notes keeps, for this chapter. He keeps telling Nina. He keeps asking Nina to eat some fruit. It's creepy. It's creepy. It is creepy. He's also the second person after the baby to say that Johan is looking for her. He's like, Johan's going to find you. I don't um, like that. It makes me really nervous. <laughs> yeah. uh, the baby tortures Tenma for a little while. With a pool cue. A, with, a, with a pool cue. Um, I think maybe the most interesting thing I have to say about this is just that sometimes he talks in baby talk and... It's super creepy. Yeah, my, my note here was the uwu W's are fighting to make me hate my boy. Uh, <laughs> because the baby was my favorite of Urasawa's. Of so far in this story, the kind of weird, quirky characters that we've had. Uh, when he showed up, I was like, oh, I like this guy. And then there were the uwu W's mm, all no. through this. And I was like, Ooh, oh. Nazi. Ooh, Nazi. No. Little, what? Uh, Ooh, I'm a what? Nazi. I'm a Nazi. Uh uh hey everybody what do you think what do you think uh the baby's discord server would look like oh gosh. the baby the baby the baby the is zone. a discord mod the, ba- <laughs> the baby's um uh, that's jesus fucking christ well no it's uh, called candy because that's the name of the club oh candy and... oh god that's terrifying now i'm oh. i'm done thinking about this I'm i don't want to think about that's this enough. anymore no, uh-uh, uh-uh, i'm done um <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any other notes for this chapter? No. The only uh, thing I just... have is hit by a car unexpectedly is always a good plot device. <laughs> always. <laughs> it is. Um, you could argue. You could. You could make the argument if you really wanted to be a cinema sins jerk. Like, oh, what are the chances the baby has Doctor Tamba with his? Fuck! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! It's good. It's a story. It's a story. It's good. So it's good. Chill out. Um. All right, uh, chapter 28, Aisha, do, do you pronounce the S with the little thing? I was saying Aisha, that's how I, that's how I was Asia. pronouncing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Aisha's friend, take it away. Okay, so this chapter, um, I subtitled it, Light the Fuse, Things Are About to Go Bad. Um, it opens with Dieter and Heckle getting in a disagreement because Heckle wants to steal that rug. Dieter's like, you're a thief. Thieves are bad. I don't want to hang out with you. And he kind of wanders out into the street, um, and finds the, uh, Turkish sex worker that Tenma had, had, uh, run into in the previous chapter. They have a conversation where she, she's holding, uh, the, her friends who has gone missing's baby and says, you know, her, her mom's gone. I, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to find her and Dieter says, Oh man, hopefully not. Like I, I don't want that baby to be an orphan like me. Um, and then the, the, the lady takes pity on him, brings him into the house, um, gives him dinner and they have a conversation where it's revealed that, uh, she, she knows that Tenma was hit by this car because she was there. What are the odds? It's a, it's a nice clockwork thriller kind of, uh, series of events. Um, a lot of stuff about families there. We kind of cut back and forth to Nina continuing to have that conversation with Aisha about how the, the Nazis are going to burn down the Turkish quarter. Um, I think the baby continues to torture Tenma. Uh, there's some conversation, I don't think with Dedrick, but with, or with Gedrick, but with some of the other Nazis where, oh, no, 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 it's, it's with Tenma and the baby where he says that them trying to make him their new Hitler is a bad idea because Johan doesn't just hate a particular race, he hates the entire human race. Um, Meanwhile, Dieter has decided he's going to go look for Tenma. He goes to the bar. There's a very good shot of Dieter sitting at the bar. Um, Someone buys him a drink. Uh, 
he spits it out in the alley and starts uh, lurking around trying to find Tenma and is, is picked up. And the chapter ends with Aisha being uh, murdered as she tells uh, Nina, uh, thank you for promising to go and spread the word that things are going to go bad. Nothing good has happened to me since I came to Germany. You're the first good thing that happened. We're friends. And then is she's brutally murdered as the chapter kind of ends. Brutally so. murdered. And I um, am unfortunately looking forward to talk about it. Um, I did just look it up. It's Aisha. Aisha. No, no, no. You're, you're adding an extra thing. It's just Aisha. Aisha. Okay. Yeah, Aisha. Got it, got, um, it, got it. Yeah. Another busy chapter. This this sequence of chapters, um, it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty action-y. There's stuff going on. Even if the stuff isn't immediately dangerous, like, really, it's a, it's a gorgeous ticking clock uh, yeah, it goes. film, you know? You know, because it's just like, you know that every second, like, it's getting like that fucking fire. Uh, oh, yeah. Um. I don't know. Is there a lot of, I don't, I, this one was mostly plot. The only thing that I had was the stuff about Dieter in the bar. I think they make him a Manhattan with the cherry. Uh, yeah. Which was heckle-string. First things first. Gedrich sends Nina more fruit. Yeah. He sends, he sends her a fucking fruit basket while she's hanging out in the mansion. Um, I don't know. I, I do want to wonder, Matt, I don't, I don't imagine a pear has any particular biblical significance. I don't think a pear. I mean, the only thing that, I, I mean, just like does. fruit, it's the just... only thing that just jumped in my head was like, I mean, there you have the traditional image of the serpent with the yeah, fruit for Eve, really... but like, I don't think that's this. This is, so. yeah, there's a fun little, there's a fun little bit of, again, the, the dragon fruit on top of the pears and you just have Gedris just looking at it just like yeah. smiling um, well the like, thing that i noted was it looked like it was three pears yeah, in the shot pears this time which um, i said are we gonna lose one of the pillars that's supporting johan what's happening because they he kind of talked in the last one how there were four kind of people there who were supported four. him it was gedrick um, wolf and, and then well, who knows who else there's about to be three yeah there are about to be three uh yeah. Okay. Um. A quick note. Uh. Uh. Baby and Tenma are talking about uh, a dude named Wolf, like a general Wolf. Uh. Tenma just says he was the one, like in that in that photo with Johan, and then the baby is like, "That's Master Wolf to you." Uh, and I think this is just an honorific thing. Just wanted to note this is like a, a translation, uh, okay. thing. I imagine that uh, Tenma just used a pronoun that the baby felt was uh, not honor, uh, um, not respectful enough. So then he whacked him, whacked him with the pool cue. Um, a great page. There's a great page here. Um, Johan doesn't subscribe to your petty racist agenda. Uh, and I want to talk about how this page is set up. It's a cool page. So you, so you start off at the bottom left of page 284. And Tenma goes, you'll never convince Johan to lead your organization. And this is the right page, so now you go up to the left page. And the baby looks at him. Tenma lifts his head off the ground. Johan doesn't subscribe to your petty racist agenda. We get a closer shot of the baby. Looking, looking fucked up. A closer shot on Tenma. Johan despises the entire human race. And then we get a super close-up shot of the baby's face lit from below because he's evil. 
And then he, again, whacks him with a pool cue. Um, and the pacing of this page is really good. Um, because it's just, it's this really like, every time you see the baby, it's a little wham. It's just wham, wham, wham. Uh, a really, a really cool, I, I think this is a, a great page. One of the more visually interesting uh, pages in the reading for sure. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I, f- I flipped to it so I could look at it, and I saw on the preceding page there there was one plot note that I think I missed was the baby reveals. Okay, the burning of the Turkish quarter is going to happen on a schedule so that he can treat it like fireworks for his fancy dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that's that's kind of like the, the winding up of the clock for yeah. the climax of the of this section. Yeah, totally. And and making sure that the reader doesn't forget that this is going on. Right. Yeah. Then we have this fun little two-page Dieter's adventure where he goes into the bar. It's Matt, do you have any idea why he goes into the bar? Well, uh, because he knows that Tim isn't there anymore, right? Yeah, I don't know why he goes in. It did. I I don't know. Maybe he thinks that Tenma's there. It yeah. It kind of just seems like this was a this was was just a fun shot that Urasawa couldn't resist. It is it is really fun. Yeah. Um I don't think for what it's worth, I don't think it's a Manhattan. It's something else with a cherry because the bartender okay. shakes it and you don't shake a Manhattan. Um I think it could be well Do you think it's an olive or do you think it is a cherry? It's sorry for the tangent, everyone. Um No, this is why you're this is why we true. Uh, it's the liquid is dark, so it's not a martini, not even a dirty one. Um, I think most likely, Urasawa just didn't know that you stir Manhattan. I think that's the most likely explanation, because like I'm over here, like what is it, a sidecar? I guess it could be a whiskey sour, but those are pretty traditionally over eyes. Uh, I mean, it's it's not... You can have a whiskey sour up. You absolutely can. Um, uh, up is a term used to describe a drink that is in a cocktail glass, uh, such as a martini or you know, I don't know, a whole bunch of other stuff. The, the drink that the Dieter gets here is served up. A, a, a thank Manhattan you, thank is you for served explaining. Up. I was about to ask, why um, is it in that kind of glass? Yeah. Because they clearly have the other ones that you oh, use you wanna, for... Oh, you want to tangent me? I'll fucking tangent. Listen, you put... It's pretty simple. You put a drink up when you don't want ice in it. And there are a couple of reasons to not want ice in a drink. Um, You don't have ice in a drink if dilution would hurt it, right? So a lot of times if you have a a shaken drink that's already as diluted as you want, and shaken drinks usually have citrus in them, while stirred drinks don't. And again, that's dilution. Citrus doesn't taste good when it's diluted. Um, You know... Uh, a, ma- a martini. There's another great example of a drink that has the perfect dilution going in. You don't want that to change. Um, you know, and all of this is like guidelines, not rules. But anyway, it's it's in that glass because you don't want ice in it. And if there's no ice in it, then a stem is preferable because then your hand can be on the stem and it doesn't warm up the drink and it looks nice. And that's all the time we're going to waste on this. Uh, well, thank you for fun. listening. Uh, this was Quinn's Bar Corner. I Queen's do Park love Dieter Warner. so much. I love Dieter. I love how he chugs the drink and all of the adults are like, holy cow, he chugged it. That kid's a legend. <laughs> yeah, they're like, fuck. 
Oh, man. It's great. I also, I do think it's funny the bartender just went along with it, and he was like, yeah, I'll give this kid a fucking... Fucking booze. It was the nineties in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was serving children liquor. Yeah. Um, and then we have the conversation between Nina and and Aisha uh through the sink, and it is crazy how much pathos Urasawa packs into a sink. Into a sink, yeah. Um you know, and uh the notes I took were it's just like there's something about the fact that they're having the conversation through the sink drain, right? One, it's an inherently desperate thing to do. Like, it's not through a wall. It's not under a door. It's through a fucking sink. And we engage with sink so often in our lives. Like, it feels like you can hear the metallic echo of it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there's something about it that feels very grounding. And then she's yeah. murdered. And then she, it sucks. I mean, like, I know that's the way that this genre of story works, but it, it does always. And, like, there's no other way for this to work out, right? To keep the, yeah. the plot ticking. But, like, it does suck, you know? Do you want to talk about how how it's shown to us? Because it's really something. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Nina and uh, Aisha are, are, are talking through the sink the whole time. And then suddenly it's... The, the sink is whamming and slamming around um and nina is shouting uh asking her friend for help shouting to stop into the sink um and then she looks up and and hears a sound above um from where Aisha is she runs up the stairs um the thing that i think is the most striking about this is when she opens the door to to find the body um she grips onto the hem of her dress uh, and i couldn't yeah. figure out why she did that at first but it's um it's just like she is so overwhelmed by it i think it's yeah tears in her eyes and yeah well it's it's first the sorrow and then it it changes to i think anger a little bit um with tears still in her eyes it's it's a lot it's it's rough Um, it's a lot the the shot that we see is just this the you know the legs of of the bloody body in the in the bathroom um, I, I'm guessing they just beat her against the sink is what they did. Something fucking awful Which like that sucks. Yeah. But specifically, I think the thing that gets me so is, is the page where the murder is actually happening because you don't see the murder happening. No, you only hear you it. You just hear you it. You hear it through the fucking sink, you know, on the page before she, she asks, she asks Aisha what her kid's name is. And, and she's like, Aisha? Aisha? And the bottom of the page is just a panel of the sink drain and the sound effect. Wham! And the next page is is all of... is just, again, like, shots of the sink drain with these awful fucking sound effects. And it's one of the most, like, upsetting fictional murders I've experienced. And we don't see a drop of mm-hmm. blood. It's brilliant. It's... it's just the worst yeah it's um it's it's rough um one last thing that i missed in the summary the the way that this chapter ends is two guys show up at the candy um to kind of talk to the baby and say hey wolf is here um they shoot one of the baby's guys oh they've also got Dieter. they kidnapped Dieter. we might have forgot to mention that they did snag that they did snag the boy 
they've got the boy. They shoot one of uh, the baby's guys and say, like, yo, why are you harassing Dr. Tenma? He is a guest of General Wolf. We're taking him and the boy and we're going. Um, and so there's some kind of like fun faction infighting, which is which is always good. Um, and and yeah. that's how I think that's how the chapter ends. It is. Yeah. Chapter 29. Chapter 29, um, which I believe is me. Yes. Chapter 29. Wolf's Confession. Um, Nina goes out into the mansion ready to kill some Nazis. They've all been killed for her. She is alone in a mansion full of dead Nazis. Meanwhile, Tenma and Dieter are in the car with these dudes, and uh, Tenma holds a gun to one of their heads so that Dieter can get out and go back to uh, the Turkish uh, the Turkish neighborhood to warn everyone. Um, then Tenma meets with General Wolf, who says, uh, basically that, hey, Johan killed everyone who ever knew me. You should kill him. Uh, which is what they what they twist. Uh, and we learn some very important things. And Dieter gets back to uh, Dieter gets back to Calvin Street is uh, is the core of the neighborhood. Then Dieter and Otto get got by some Nazis. These fucking Nazis, they're all over, right? Um, well, it's, it's speaking of the devil and they shall appear. I think yeah. Otto's like, yo, kid, shut up. The Nazis are going to get us. And <laughs> yeah. then the dudes and in the park the turn shot. around and it's the shot of the swastika on his, yeah. on his shoulder. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then Nina Nina goes to a warehouse, which Johan left a note about and is surprised by something. And that's everything that happens in this chapter. Yeah. Um it's a it feels shorter than the other chapters it's good though yeah i mean that's again that's it's uh it's urasawa's trick you know (laughs) he can do he can do whatever uh it's pretty impressive oh hey wait hold on hold on i just noticed something Ah, wait now there's four pairs again okay so yeah but they tumbled over the pairs are tumbled over now they did tumble they did tumble over they did yeah um matt thoughts about this chapter yeah, um, so I was I I had to flip back to the previous chapter a little bit when I read this. I was a little confused on the logistics. Um, for some reason, I had thought that Tenma and Dieter were in the basement of that house, but they were just in the basement of the club. Uh, um, yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait, how did Dieter find out about the plan to burn down the Turkish quarter? Um, and it's because the baby was, like, monologuing about it when they when they brought Dieter in. Um, so the, the logistics confused me a little bit, but it, it all shakes out um let's see uh i so i i wrote down as the chapter started did we immediately toss the neo-nazis because someone realized that johan wasn't the next hitler but something else or or something worse and um wolf's monologue kind of confirms that a little bit right where he says like he's not hitler he's he's something else um yeah well it's like it's kind of the thing is is that the neo-nazis want johan to be their hitler they think Mm -hmm. he's their hitler but johan you know as tenma says johan does not subscribe to their petty racist agenda right johan's doing his own shit it's just that nazis are easy to manipulate right you know um but he obviously doesn't care anymore for nazis than than anyone else because 
as we said, Nina is alone in a mansion full of dead fucking Nazis. And there's a great page that's just a, a full page spread of her standing alone in a dark hallway being like, they're all dead. Body uh, I after like, body yeah. after body. Yeah. yeah. The, that um, opening sequence is really cool. Because like she has her gun and she, it looks like she's about to do a, a cool like action hero time. Uh, but there's no one left for her to shoot. Ugh. Yeah. Um, um, oh, I, 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 I don't think you said it explicitly. So Wolf says, hey, Johan got here before I did. He killed everyone and left this oh, graffiti. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. A, that's important. Johan was the one who did all those murders, right? Um, and I think you just talking about Nina with the gun made me remember a no. Actually, that line comes later. Never mind. I'm not gonna. Okay. I'm not gonna say that now. All right. All right. Uh, um, the uh, the other big note that I have here is when Wolf is giving his kind of when Wolf is doing the backstory of how he found uh, Nina and and Johan. Uh, the line that jumped out at me here. Well, we get the shot of them on the check border. Uh, yes. Their their backs to the camera, which is it's great. I love that one every time it comes up. It's important. It's it's good. Um, but the the thing that he says is, "I saved their lives just as you did, Doctor Tenma." Um, which oh, which yeah. is good. That is good. Oh, that is cool. Actually, I I I missed that. Um, you um, also hear some. There's some fun stuff with General Wolf. Uh. You know, General Wolf is like, he's like, look, I'm General Wolf. Ten was like, how could you have changed in ten years? Wolf says, terror. Abject terror. He doesn't look scared, though. He looks really sad. Um, and we find out later, there's also a, an odd, like, little cutaway to Dieter in the truck with an, with an old guy. And it's like this funny little comedy bit in this very serious chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, I was a little bit confused by... Um... Johan's line in the in in Wolf's flashback where you know Wolf you'll asks know Johan enough. how he feels and he says you'll know soon enough and Wolf kind of goes on to explain um what he thinks Johan meant by that was Johan was completely alone when when Wolf found him and that is what Johan has made him completely alone he's killed yeah. everyone he knew yeah um that's that's correct and was- I was well, the thing that the little the little like question mark that's still hovering in my head is okay, what is different about the way that Wolf saved Johan and the way that Tenma saved Johan, right? Where Tenma saves Johan, Johan kills all these people to make Tenma's life better. Mm. Wolf quote you know, I'm doing air quotes now, saves Johan, and Johan dedicates his life to wiping out everyone that, that Wolf has known. So there is there's something that Wolf's not telling us and that kind of they hinted that a little bit in the next chapter that, you know, Wolf has brought Tenma in here to manipulate him a little bit into being the you know, he's 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 aiming him at Johan in the hopes that Tenma will kill Johan. Um, but I, I don't know if we come back to that or not, but it it, it was something that, that jumped out at me a little bit. Um I think it's an interesting point. What's different between between the saving? Um, Based on some of the reveals at the end mm, of this reading, mm. I have like mechanical thoughts on what could be different, but I, I don't know for sure. I think... I think it might just be that Urasawa wanted Johan to do different things, so he did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, also, we just know Wolf's like not a great guy. I mean, he threw him in this yeah. horrible, 
orphanage and stuff like that so it it could just be as simple as that right like wolf is a a bad person tenma's a good person you know what no there is a there is a reason and i don't like it okay there is a reason and it pisses me off a little bit um We'll get to it later. Yeah, because I have some thoughts about I bet we're what they in find the in the warehouse, place. and I think yeah. it's... Yeah. Uh, which, like, mm, yeah. Uh, anyway, but that aside, you'll know soon enough. It's fucking scary. Yeah, you know, it is. You know, like, uh, the line that gets me is, nobody can know who I am unless they believe me. And, you know, and, and it's lonely. And so this is kind of what's forming my, my, current, my current theory of monster which is that it's about it is about what loneliness can do to people and maybe that maybe somehow right the darkness that that occurred when the berlin wall came down was in some way loneliness and i don't know if we've got evidence for that i don't it's just a shot in the dark right now but i'm just I trying to put good. i'm trying to put the pieces we have together <laughs> you know what i mean well, I mean, the thing that gets shouted all the time, right, like on social media and stuff, is we mm-hmm. live in an age where people are so disconnected. Everyone's more lonely than they've ever been before, right? That seems like the theme of, of the modern era that we live yeah. in is, is loneliness. Yeah, but were people, um, were, people, like, were people harping on that the same way in the mid-90s? I don't think so, like, I mean, I but it know. feels like it's, it's, a, it's a rip that's just been getting wider and wider and wider. And I mean, it, it, if you ask the people who say that stuff, they would probably say, oh, and it started with world war ii and and stuff like that but i yeah. i don't know hard to say hard to say all right yeah and then uh wolf is like i want you to kill johan which is uh a fun a fun thing to happen in this story because it's not what you expect mm-hmm. um or at least it's not what i expected and we know that my expectations aren't always uh accurate um yeah and that's pretty much it for this chapter that's chapter 29. Um, chapter 30, this is when, when stuff kicks out. Uh, main kicks off. dish. Main dish. This is a good, it's a, it's a good title for this section. So I'm, I'm just going to flip yeah. to it real quick so I can, I can look at it because I, I have my notes. Um, okay, so what happens here, Tenma leaves uh, the mansion and uh, immediately pulls his gun again and tells the drivers that he needs to go back to Frankfurt so he can make sure that everyone in the Turkish quarter knows that they're going to burn it down. Um, and then we kind of do some intercutting back to uh, Dieter and Heckel, who the Nazis have kidnapped and put in this warehouse that they're going to burn down. Uh Tenma goes and finds the uh, finds Aisha's friend that he'd met earlier. Uh, he realizes Dieter's not with her, and then they go about the work of trying to warn the neighborhood leaders that this fire is going to happen. There's kind of some conflict where people don't want to believe him because he's Japanese, and that also, hey, they're hearing about right wing plots against them every day. If they were to take all of them seriously, you know, where would they be? But then an older guy comes out and is like. No, there was a Japanese general who helped the Turkish Navy when they got <laughs> lost. We're going to listen to him. Um, and they, they rally up all the, the local leaders and, and kind of get in place to start putting out fires as they happen, which they do start happening. We, we cut back up to Candy. Um, the baby is up on the roof with uh, two women, and he's, he's explaining, okay, we're going to have this beautiful, nice, long, lavish meal, and the city is going to burn down while we watch, and it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be so much fun. Um, but then Nina shows up, uh, holds him a gun. She's got a gun. 
Nina's got a gun. She always has a gun. Um, and she, over and over and over again, I think, is saying to the baby, Johan didn't want this. Why are you doing this for Johan? This isn't what Johan wants. Um, they they argue for a bit. Tenma's trying to put out the fires. Um, she gets the baby to let her know kind of what, what the big spot that he's going to hit is. Um, and she runs off to the warehouse where she finds uh, Heckle and... Uh, Heckle and Dieter. Um, but then there's the realization, I, I think Heckle is the one who explains it. Because, um, uh, again, we set up, he, he grew up here in the city. He says that where they were was a decoy, because the wind changes every night um, and, and goes in the other direction. So the real, like, big fire starter is somewhere that none of them have expected, and they, and they still need to find it. Um, and the chapter ends with, uh, it's a great page. It's an incredible page. Um, the, uh, background behind Nina goes completely black. She has the realization that she's been duped. Uh, and then we cut back to Tenma and all of the, uh, the, the Turkish community leaders. And he says, the wind stopped. Uh, and then we cut back to the baby and he says, now, finally, the main dish lit from below with ba, the villain ba, shot. Ba. It's great. I love it. It's good. It's good. It's a good chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think I have, I don't have a whole awful lot of notes here but there there are a couple um uh first off i think it's fun when tenma goes i'm not working for anyone i'm going to kill johan for my own reasons <laughs> uh so i think that's a good line one thing i want to point out is just like the nazis are really <laughs> listen listen nobody don't don't clip this don't clip this. It, actually, I'm going to phrase it in a way so that just you can't don't say it. it. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I love the way the Nazis are drawn. I think the Nazis are a lot of fun to look at. Um, because again, I've talked before about how I think Ten was really good at constructing faces. And just look at these Nazis and all of the different facial features and structures that that Urasa was using here. Um, they all look pretty different from each other. Uh, and he's not like leaning into none of these characters are super strictly ugly, but they are sinister. Um, you know, and, and they're sinister in different ways, you know, like Urasawa is interested in depicting individuals as individuals and he'll even do it for the fucking Nazis and to, to prove a point to represent them in an interesting way. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, no, there he yeah. he he draws a lot of good characters. Um, some over good over characters over, over here, man. Uh, uh, is there the bit with the baby wetting himself because he was so terrified of Nina? Is that in that's in this chapter? What? Uh, oh, um, that is. I yeah, yeah. believe. Yeah, that's in that's in this chapter. It's a bit later. Yeah, because uh, he says he says that girl sure is Johan's twin. She was ready to kill me. Um, yeah. He says, all right, bring on the main dish, but also I need a new pair of pants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my note for that is piss baby. Um, piss baby. Piss baby. Uh, I think the, the little sequence little sequence between Tenma and the Turkish community leaders is, is interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's perfect. What is perfect? It has... Okay. There's stuff about it that interests me. Because one, it is, dare I say, intersectional. And its concerns, right? You've got Tenma over here. He's Japanese. You've got these Turkish folks. You've got sex work, right? Like, yeah. and so like this, 
this sequence is really interested in talking about the dynamics between those things. On the one and hand, and how they're all minorities yeah. too in this yes. in this location. Yes. yes, you know, um, it's really cool. Uh, Tenma says sex work is work, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Tenma says, you know very well she was just trying to survive. There is, however, a flavor of uh, main character comes in to kind of do a little bit of finger wagging at this at this other ethnic group and set him straight a little bit. Yeah. There's a little, mm, there's a little, there's just a bit of that going on. Um. Yeah, it. I I think I groaned a little bit, but I I don't think it's bad. I just think it's yeah, it's you know it is what it is. There's a there's a fun little bit where a couple of the Turkish guys like uh make a couple of uh, Japanese jokes at Tenma's expense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's a. I don't. I guess I don't have anything like particularly insightful to say about it, insightful to say about it. But I think it's um. It's it is if nothing else an interesting space for Urasawa to be exploring. Uh, you know, as I said as I said earlier in the episode, it's a space that you don't really see explored uh in in manga pretty much ever. Anyway, yeah. Yep, then Nina threatens the baby and there's some cool little cutaway shots to Tenma to Tenma fighting the fires then and then quick cuts back. It's very it's very exciting. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's good. It's tight. It's an action movie. Um, I think this and the and the next chapter especially. Yeah. Oh, this is important. So, um, Dieter and Peter and Otto tied up in the place. Uh, the the Nazis just set fire to it. Guess who saves their asses? Nina Fortner. Nina Fortner. She rocks up, puts out the fire, breaks in. She's full on action hero over here. She's always got that gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's doing it in heels too, is the other thing. Yeah, man. She's kicking ass. She's the best. Alright. Uh, Chapter 31. Reunion. Um yeah, this is This one's you. Yeah. Uh Tenma is being a doctor. Nina and Otto are trying to figure out. Well, Nina and Dieter are trying to make Otto help them uh, figure out where the actual fire is going to be. Uh, then Nina, Nina and Dieter go to go to an abandoned chemical factory, which is where they think the fire is going to be set. Uh, there's a Nazi there. Uh, and he's like, hey, I'm going to drop this lighter. Whole thing's going to go up in flames. Here we go. Uh, in the meantime, Tenma's run into Otto as he's stealing a rug. And makes Otto take him to the factory. They all go. They all go there. And the fire is about to happen. And then Dieter stops it from happening because he's a badass. The baby's meal is ruined. Fucking baby. Um, and it unfortunately... <laughs> it ends... Uh, it ends with it's a cool going. sequence, but it just sucks. Uh, it sucks. It sucks. Like it's such the a reveal. good sequence. It's a good sequence, and then Johan has two personalities. Ah, oh, the night. My Laban is about to explode. Neo Tokyo is about to explode. Then, <laughs> uh, the nineties rears its ugly head. Uh, 
Uh, it was going to kick in eventually. But why did it have to be like this? The worst um, part is Lunga was right. It was someone with two personalities yeah, that did the murder. Yeah. It just wasn't Tenma. Um, God. I mean, but I love the thing that I love about that bit, right, where they're at the water tower where it happened is how cold it looks, right? Like it's a windy day. The hair is blown back. Like Otto is like in his jacket and stuff. Like it's so grim and dark and cool. And then the reveal is Johan has two personalities. <laughs> it's, yeah. It sucks. Um, I think it might have been more shocking in 95. Probably. Hey, this really does feel like a Batman chapter. I think it's the thing I realized partway through you describing it, like them going to a Ooh. chemical plant that they're going to burn Ooh. down. Um, what, a good, what a good point. We haven't pulled Batman in yet before. Um, and I know you're a Batman historian doing your, uh, your, your bat quest. My, my, bat, my bat quest. I need to get back to my bat quest. Um, man, if only I had started the, the bat quest several years later. What a podcast that would have been. Um, <laughs> woof. Uh, but one one major media review podcast is enough, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily know that I, I have a lot to say about this chapter. This chapter is really... Because the thing about this chapter is that it's just executing on the setup. Like, everything that we've told you about how it's ramped up, you could probably... You could probably get pretty darn close to how this chapter goes, just, like, playing it all out. So I don't think we need to spend a lot of work, uh, a lot of time on it. Yeah, uh, I my big note was I, I like how Nina and Tenma both don't want the other one to have to kill Johan. Yes. Yes, okay. Now that that is the that is the interesting thing. That is the interesting thing. Um because both of those characters are people who are willing to they want to be the ones to throw away their morality because they know that if they do a murder, that's what they're sacrificing. Mm. And like you talk about Batman bringing Batman in perfect here because this is something that batman stories talk about a lot is like hey why shouldn't we kill people what's the morale what's the morality cost of killing people um and this angle on it is one that i think western comics should really be taking more often which is that yeah it is something that you can never take back um but now we have these main characters who are willing to do that they're willing to take that step yeah. The other thing I loved in that sequence was when Nina is getting ready to shoot the Nazi, she tells Dieter to close his eyes. Yes. Yeah. She's like, Dieter, don't ever fucking do what I'm about to do and don't watch. Oh, the Man. two just sweetest people in the world having to do the worst stuff over yeah. and over and over again or getting right up to the line. I think it's, man, it's good. It's compelling. It is. Uh, visually... There's a great spread. There's a great spread early on that's just like the warehouse in shadow and mm. a lighter. And there's a little... The, the flame is in color. Uh, it's... I love I love the way Urasawa uses spreads as an artist. You know, like we talked about in, in episode one, like most spreads in both comic traditions are for large action-y sequences. Um, but Urasawa's spreads always feel very still they're when they're he spacious. wants you to yeah perfect word you know they're simple like a bunch of this a bunch of this warehouse is is totally in silhouette in shadow like there isn't a cloud in the sky it's it's not a not a line out of place it's really gorgeous mm. um yeah uh yeah. they put out the fire with uh otto's expensive turkish rug that he stole. Uh, nice little fun comical yeah. bit. Yeah, that, that he stole. Yeah. Uh, There's, okay. 
Uh, oh, Nina hang says, on. I just found a pre- yeah. I just found a, a page. The frame of Nina and Tenma finding each other. The split on either side of the with the, uh, the mirror. I don't like it. I do, but I haven't finished the comic, so I, I, it might not be as good when we finish it. But I, oh, I like it, Quinn. <laughs> I, it's just like I'm just hoping that my memory isn't totally shot, and I'm not. Like, I can't, I, there's no way I would have forgotten them getting together. There's no way I would have forgotten Oh, I them. hope they, I hope they, they can't. don't. They can't, they can't, I can't be that dumb. I just can't, can't be. But I don't like this, I don't like this mirror shot. Like, I like it, but I don't like it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's also funny because the, the last we see of the baby, I don't know if we see him again later, but the last we see of him is just him, like, looking sadly at his meal and being like, my main dish is getting cold. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, that's it. I like and, the stuff and, of and the Nina running along the dock. I like oh, that. Yeah. Like, that's a fun, you know, end of an anime episode bit, you know. Totally. But yeah. Yeah. Uh... And Johan has two personalities. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. Like, mm, again, I think it's pretty well established at this point that my memory isn't to be trusted. I don't know so how much. It could play out better than you remember. I just don't, I just don't know if. Uh, I just don't know if this actually is. Totally is well. No, it it kind of is. It is. It's like how do I put this? He has two personalities, but they're both very violent and willing to do murders. <laughs> is the thing one right? is just a little worse than the other? Yeah, um. it's like it's. I guess it's a question of like what they want to reward or how they respond. Because like if we say, so like we were saying earlier, what's the difference between right Tenma and Wolf? And maybe the difference is the personalities. Maybe. Johan has a personality that wanted to reward Tenma for saving mm-hmm. his life, and he did so through murder. <laughs> you know, it's the same tool, and yeah, but exactly. it's just a different. It's punish versus reward. Yeah, because it's really like I will say this: it isn't that Johan has a sweet, innocent child who's just being carried along for the ride. They're both doing the murders. It's all murder mm-hmm. all the way down. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, Chapter 32, The Fifth Spoonful of Sugar. Quinn, this is my favorite chapter of the whole comic so far. Yeah, baby! It is so good. This is... Holy cow. Okay, so I'll, I'll do the summary and then we can, we can talk about it. But um, yeah. the setup for this one is... You know, Tenma and Dieter and Otto have, have left in their little boat, um, and Nina is still here. The police question her. She, um, I think she switches back to saying that her name is Anna Liebert here as, like, a nice little alibi dealio, where, like, she was going by Nina Fortner the whole time that she was here, but then she tells the police her name is Anna Liebert. Um, they let her go because her employer was able to show up and verify her identity that, yes, this is Anna Liebert. And her employer is a man named Rosso, who lives um, across the border into the region of Bavaria of Germany in a small village running an Italian restaurant. Um, and then the rest of the chapter is us kind of jumping back and forth between 
uh, Nina and Rosso having coffee in the present and kind of the story of Nina's employment at the Italian restaurant in the past. Um, and, oh, one important thing from the previous chapter was when Nina is getting ready to shoot the Nazi, he says, do you really think you could make that shot? And she says, at this distance, absolutely. I'm 100% accurate. I spent six months training. Um, so that's kind of, we, we get the training montage a little bit here in the background. It's, it's revealed that, you know, while she's working at this Italian restaurant where everyone loves her, you know, because of course they do. She's everyone's favorite girl next door. Nina, mm-hmm. Nina Fortner, Anna Liebert, the waitress, my crush intensifies. Um, <laughs> Matt has a crush. Matt has a crush on a waitress. Uh, God. Not new, but a, always crush fun. on a waitress that can use a gun. <laughs> so um nina slash anna works at this restaurant and goes to the goes to the gun range every day and is is practicing her uh her shooting uh while she's also you know making a friendship with this guy rosso who everyone in the village kind of teases you know oh poor soft rosso he cries in movies he's he's kind of a, a a loser a little bit he's a sap there's a real good rosso face of him kind of raising his eyebrows in disbelief that is uh, feels unlike anything I've seen before. I think it's because of his nose and mustache shape, right? He just looks, he looks great. Um, his design is one of the best. He's sure. fantastic. Um, so, and then in the present, you know, he's talking about how much he loves movies and, uh, you know, there, he's talking about, hey, maybe we should go th- see this one. I really like it. But it becomes clear, you know, they're going to have to split up. They They can't stay together. Nina has a mission that she's on. Um, and this is when kind of they're, they're silent for a second. And then Rosso reveals, you know, he kind of asks her, he's like, why did you never ask me for help? Um, and, and she kind of pretends not to know what he's talking about. And then he says, no, you knew. I mean, you knew that's why you found me. Uh, and then it's revealed. I, I think this might have even been set up in the first set of chapters uh, in one of the law lectures that Nina was taking. No um, way. Were, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was because she. That's where how she brings it up. She says it was a case that her professors talked about, where there were three murders that were seemingly unrelated, but it was theorized that there was an assassin that did all three of them. Mm. Um, and she reveals that you know she figured out Rasa was this assassin, um, and when she got there, um, she realized that she couldn't ask him for help because she cared about him too much and, and didn't want to pull him into this web. She didn't want to get him tangled up with Johan. Yeah. Um, and then Rosso kind of has a monologue where he talks about why he stopped uh, working as a contract killer, uh, where he says he, he was lined up to kill, kill a guy at a cafe in broad daylight, um, had him in the sights and, and watched this guy putting sugar into his coffee. One spoonful, two spoonful, three, four, five, which is exactly how many Rosso takes in his coffee. Um, and he says, I, I, it's, I like, oh my word, I am almost about to start crying. He says, um, he says, um, and this guy was drinking his coffee. He started to put the sugar on. And when he put the fifth spoonful in, suddenly I could taste the coffee the way I always drink it. And I lowered my gun and that was it. After that, I couldn't kill anymore. Um, and he, he, he kind of, they, they split up and they, and as they're leaving, he says, Killing people is easy. You just got to forget the taste of sugar, um, which, holy cow. Um, and then what I think he, they both line. leave crying. It is it is so good. It's And it, it gets to the thing that we just spent a while talking about, right, where it's 
killing someone is not something you can come back from. It's it's the line that you cross, and it's a hard line to cross, but at the same time, here he is saying it's easier than you think, right? All you have to do is forget that the person that you're killing is a person. Um, oh, my word. Yeah. It's, it's... And it's such a... It's such, like... Um, it's such a neat metaphor, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. the taste... The taste of sugar, you know, it's such a, it is such a human thing. It's such a, a relatable thing. It's, it's a, ah, Urasawa firing on all cylinders on this one. Just, just that, that fucking thing he does where he's like, hey, you know that whole humanity shit? Watch this. I'm going to put it into one sentence. And, and I go, no, no, you can't. He fucking does it. But he did, because you can read it so many ways. You can read it the way that I just said. All you have to do is forget, you know, that someone's a person. All you have to do is forget. I mean, forget the taste of sugar. Can you ever taste it again after you've killed someone, right? Is it ever going to taste the same after you've done this thing? It's just, there's so many different directions that it can go in. It's, uh, It's and it's coming from the, the sweetest, nicest man that we have met in this comic so far. And he's a he's a fucking he's a contract killer, killer for the mob, you know. But he's such a he's such a, a sweet fucking dude, you know. And it's it's also interesting because he you know his backstory is just that like he didn't really think about it. Like the mob just gave him money and food after he did the murder. He was like, hey, this seems fine, you know, because he started when he was a kid. He didn't really realize what he was sacrificing in himself. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you can tell that he 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 carries that weight. Uh, oh, he just looks heavy all the time, and he's. I mean, that's why he's always crying. I mean, the people yeah. in the town call him Crybaby Rosso. It's you know, and he cries at the movies, and and it, one movie he's crying at, and he says, you know, to think they released this when I was a kid, you know, and like, what does what does his what do, what do you think Ross, Rosso's innocence means to him? Oh, you know. Eat your heart out, Leon the Professional. This is a better, like, holy cow. Um, the, I mean, it pulls in, you know, we've talked about how Urasawa is someone who clearly appreciates cinema in the movies, right? And it's like there's that, yeah. it's that same respect for, you know, a, a love of film, right? It's a, here's, here's a character who loves movies, right? Yeah, you know? specifically uh, the, the movie called out here is Summertime um, with Catherine Hepburn and somebody. Oh. I haven't you seen know. that one. I'm not yeah, a. I'm not I, really an old movie person. Yeah, me, me neither. Uh, surprise, surprise! The manga podcasters haven't watched a lot of classic film. Sorry <laughs> to let you down, everyone. I've seen some Hitchcock, right? And I feel like that's what I need if I'm going to be doing yes, talk media true. analysis. That's but, true. Yeah, I'll do my due diligence sooner yeah. or later. Um, hey, do you want to talk about how this lines up with the end of the first volume? Yes, because because there's some fucking hey y'all. This is a this is a parallel. This is an echo chapter, mm-hmm. right? Because we had the one chapter where where Tenma went off and hung out with the with the kind of murdery guy and learned to shoot a gun, and now we have this chapter where where Nina goes off and hangs out with the ex murdery guy and learns how to shoot a gun, and they're similar, um, but they're very very different. Uh, and I do want to also notice, uh, mention that this is a soft Urasawa open because we do open on something we recognize, Nina, but then we're introduced to Rosso and for a couple know. of pages we're like, who's this guy? Even though Nina and him are obviously familiar. Uh, so 
Yeah. Uh, Matt, bring on, bring on the parallel. Yeah. Um, so the note that I wrote was, you know, kind of what you said, both men are stories about hard men with dark pasts, teaching good people how to kill. Um, and I think, you know, the first obvious way that it's different is in that first chapter in the Tenma one, it's, uh, well, I guess both of them are kind of investigating this, this person who we haven't met before, but Tenma's not present in the, in the, in the first one at all. It's, he's, he's just kind of someone who's remembered. Um, and well, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know to, where to go with this. I, I might clip this in the edit cause I, I can't really figure out. I, I think you summed it up. I'm sure we could sit here and figure out deeper ways that these are the same and different, but um, it might just be surface level. But also, I think that works. I think echoing sometimes makes things mean more. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think maybe if there is a big difference, it's that Nina taught herself. Yeah. Uh, Nina just didn't have the heart to to bring this guy into it. Nina taught herself. It's also cool that that we're reminded that Nina's actually a really intelligent person because she tracked this dude down that nobody else could. Right? Yeah. Fucking detective Nina over here. She's the uh, best. Nina's a cool Nina is a cool character um who really gets a lot of time to be cool and and be important in the in the series and I just, you know, Nina best girl. Nina best girl. I'm yeah. I'm ready to declare it now. <laughs> I don't know if she has a lot of competition in um in Monster. In Monster, yeah. Uh we do I tell you though, Matt, Ava's not going anywhere. I love except, and hate that at the same time. Except through character development. <laughs> um Yeah, there's uh there's still so many great characters for us to for us to hang out with yeah so that brings us to the end of volume two of nine of the perfect editions so there's seven volumes left there's a lot of monster left and i yep. am super excited to see where it goes what happens kind of what new complications and uh revelations get thrown in there um and you know what i i will be ready to forgive a split personality i've done it in batman comics before i will i will do it here <laughs> yeah it's I liked Hush, and Hush is a bad comic. <laughs> well, there's, you know, I mean, how to, uh, there's good stuff about it, and there's some really bad stuff about it. There is some, there's, there's a particular thing that I'm really dreading getting dreading. to, because uh, it's a bit of a can of worms that I only vaguely remember. Like, I remember it enough to go, oh, this is a can of worms. Uh, so, I don't know when we're getting to that. Uh, maybe this time when I read it, it won't be there. That's my hope. Yeah, we'll get there yeah. when we get there. And if we don't, that's okay. Yeah. Um, Matt, where do we, uh, who are you? Where do we find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Matt Fennell. Um, I am actually, as of this recording, I'm really no longer on Twitter. Um, I, oh, yeah. I, I took a break for my mental health and because of the series of events that have transpired at that website. Um, but I do run the Urasawa Boys Twitter, um, so I, I, I will blast out, you know, kind of episode updates and stuff from there. If you want to follow me, the best place to do it is either on this podcast or on my personal website, um, blarple.net. That's B-L-A-R-P-L-E dot net. Is that um, new? What the fuck? 
No, I've had that for forever. I haven't updated it frequently. Um, so I, I have some some bits and pieces of writing. And my, my goal for this year was to to write there a little bit more. Um, so that's that's probably the best place to follow me. Um, or on this podcast. Honestly, this podcast is, is the best place to follow me for now. Um, but yeah, that's me, Matt Fennell. Uh Quinn, where can we find you? You can find me at 200 Proof Games. That's 200 Proof Games on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be doing a crowdfund in February, but this episode isn't going up until like March or April, so that doesn't matter to you. Uh, but I think but it's going to be very beginning of March. Very beginning of March. Okay, it's still not super relevant. But but if you if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you'll you'll see me talk about all of my cool uh, TTRPG projects. Um, and that's pretty much, yeah. I mean that's yeah. I mean we we it. have a Twitter. We have a Twitter for the show. It's at Urasawa Boys. We have a Patreon for oh, the show. Oh, maybe follow my TikTok. Also. Yeah. Oh, follow follow, TikTok. follow Quinn's Authent- TikTok. Authenticity dot trip. Um, I gotta get back to to posting on that motherfucker. Uh, yeah, we yeah. do we do have a Patreon for this show, and we want to we want to get you we want to get you some bonus content. We want to get you maintaining balance where Matt fans can get their fix of, of that of that pure mainline Matt Fennell content. Uh, and I have I have decided, Matt, actually, that I am going to learn to read Japanese. Oh, are you I really? Am. Because here's the thing. Uh, it's manga. Nah. Anime. Nah. But the Japanese TTRPG scene Oh, is so incredible. I look, I look at those fucking. I look at the posts from the Japanese TTRPG accounts, and and I drown in my own uh, drool. And so I must. I'm. I. I can't. I can't learn. live. I can't live without being able to read them. I can't do it. So I'm gonna have to learn. So if you want to uh, contribute to the Patreon, you can help offset my my Duolingo costs. So thanks. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um. Uh. Uh. Quinn's dad. Mis- is it Mr. Morris? <laughs> Call him Charlie. He'd go insane. Uh, Charlie, I owe you a postcard because I think you were the, <laughs> the first. Yes. My patron. dad. I sent. I sent my dad our like our um rough cut of episode one, and he was like, "Great, love it." And then went and subscribed to our Patreon, which I didn't even know was like oh, public. Man, I felt so bad. I didn't even realize. But yeah, <laughs> That's so uh, funny. I Quinn's love dad, dad. I owe you a postcard. I, uh, I'll get it in the mail. Uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this episode, what a great guy. You do. And but uh, thank shout you, out, thank you to our patrons. To, yeah, shout out, thank you to our patrons. Thank you to 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 Phil Fox. Um, our, thank my you, Phil Fox, the Spout Lore server, who was our first uh, Patreon subscriber. That was not my dad. Uh, we should probably <laughs> send you something too. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you a postcard too. Anyway, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This was a long one. This was a dense one. What did you think? Reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, should we make a Discord? Not until we have uh, an not yet, fan not yet. Base. Yeah, we're we'll wait on the Discord, we'll, but we'll um, on the we're Discord. on all the podcast platforms. Rate yeah. us, leave reviews, oh um, God, share please, us. Please rate us and, and leave reviews. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, everybody, thank you for listening, and thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being a friend. <laughs>